Welcome into another edition of the Sibling Rivalry Podcast. We are here rounding the corner into week six. Week five is in our rearview mirror. I'm joined as always by my brother Pierce. Pierce, how are you doing today? Doing well. A little bit under the weather, but finally able to spend a weekend, much needed weekend, on the couch watching nothing but football from from Thursday, Friday, really. I took the day off on Friday. Um, from Friday through through Monday night, so um, back back ready to to attack and um, get back to some solid winning picks. Well, uh, hey, I had a better week this week. We'll get into that in a second. Yeah, you uh you were here watching games on the couch. I went to the Georgia Tennessee game. Was nervous there for a little bit, but uh, ultimately Georgia's able to pull it out again. We'll get into that in a second. We'll get into our uh, tweet caps and everything like that. What do you have on tap for this weekend? Man, um, some pretty good, some pretty good games. That's for sure. Um, let's see. Running up the, off the top, I'm excited to see. Um, I meant, what are you physically doing? Oh, physically doing this weekend? Yeah. Are you going to be on the couch again? Are you I'm going to be on. I'm going to be on the couch again for <laughs> sure. <laughs> it's like, what are you doing? Getting into <laughs> games right now? Well, I didn't know you set me up there. I, it was an open-ended question. I I could have taken it anywhere. Sounds like someone was taking a snooze and not paying attention to the opening of the show. But that's neither here nor there. Well, you sound eager to get right into it. So let's go ahead and do it. We're not going to have any guest picker this week. Uh, we kind of thought we kind of thought to ourselves, you know what? The season's not halfway done yet. We're not there yet, thank God. It's going too fast already. But it's a little bit of a down week for matchups. There's nothing that super excites me this week. You got the Red River rivalry, but other than that, there's nothing that really jumped out at me. I had a hard time going through and picking what games we were going to even look at. So I thought, you know what? Let's just scrap a guest picker this week. Let's take a break from that, and let's do a State of the Union. Let's let's talk about the top 10 teams that are in the rankings right now. Because if you're not up there in the rankings you probably won't be able to move there by the end of the season. So we kind of are getting a pretty good picture of our playoff contenders. Uh, A couple people on the outside looking in that probably should be there, and we'll get into all of that. But I thought, you know what, let's go ahead, let's do a State of the Union address. So we've got that for you all today. Uh, We're going to do our good, bad, and ugly, and tweet caps as always, though, of course, we'll follow it up with picks and easy-peasy money. Pierce going uh, 4-0 on his easy-peasy picks last week. 4-0, yeah. Obviously went against your your idea of just doing over-unders. Got to throw in a couple against the spreads, but... West Virginia was an easy winner, as well as the over hit by, I believe, half a point. <laughs> I think it was 75 and a half, and it hit 76. Um, so that was that was a double winner there. Um, uh, I can't remember my other two off the top of my head. Oh, UCF was a winner um, with the spread. And then I had an under in the Texas-Kansas State game. So 4-0, you, uh, you follow me, you, uh, you're going to come out on top and make a little moolah. Well, I had I bounced back, of course, the week before when we had Hank on the podcast. I only got one pick correct this week. I rebounded. I got five of my picks correct. Pierce got six correct. And poor Jeff Prifty only got three correct, which is our lowest amount. I mean, he didn't even beat Hampy. He got less picks right than Hampy. And he came with the most... The the most content of anyone he knows, and he knows what he's talking about. Um, played the game um, at a pretty high level, and and came with a lot of content. I think sometimes when you and I found this out the hard way, the more you look into things, the more you read into things, the more you read through the tea leaves, you get sucked into the public 
um, opinion and what they're thinking, and it's easy not to go with your gut. And that's what that's at the end of the day. Trust your gut. Hey, and that's what's I've been falling the trap I've been falling into. Hence the one correct last week. So this week I I didn't do much prep. I don't have many key facts for everybody out there. So sorry about that. It's going to be mainly looking at the line and thinking who I who instinctually who I think is going to win. So let's go ahead and get into it. We picked our good bag, bad and ugly as always. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and start it off. My good this week, let me pull up my notes, my good this week is going to be the Penn State offense. Now, I told this to Pierce before the podcast, and he looked at me like I had 18 heads. He was like, but they lost. I get it. They lost. But they lost to a really good Ohio State team, an Ohio State team that I believe will be in the playoffs. And they did it in a a pretty, you know, Ohio State had to come from behind. Penn State started the game off 13 to nothing. Trace McSorley ultimately goes, uh, throws for 286 yards through the air, two touchdowns, uh, had some rushing yards in there as well. KJ Hamler, uh, he was just lighting up social media. People were loving it. At one point, they showed his parents doing a, a happy birthday rap to him. I didn't get to hear the sound on that, but they showed it a couple times and, of course, was all over social media as well. I mean, he's making a name for himself. Uh, four receptions for 138 yards and a touchdown. Uh, ultimately, Penn State loses, but that's one of those where you look at it and you go, there's a lot of good there for if you're Penn State. You got to like uh, where you're sitting right now. You got to hope for an Ohio State loss, getting tripped up, you know, to a Michigan or, or what, whoever else they play. Uh, you know, they, they have a couple potential trap games. But ultimately, I feel really good about a Penn State offense that I, that I saw. Um, and uh, that's why they're getting my nod for the good performance of the week. Pierce, who do you have as your uh, good performance of the week? Uh, without a doubt, Notre Dame. Um, I've caught some heat. Uh, I was high on Notre Dame to start the season um, when they played Michigan. Um, in fact, took Notre Dame just having seen their team last year. I know they lost some players, but I figured they'd have a solid ball club. And sure enough, they come out and absolutely lay one on Stanford. Um, yes, it was at home. But Stanford, and this was my biggest worry, was can Stanford throw the ball over top? Because you knew Notre Dame was going to have a good good D-line and, and, and going to key on stopping the run. And I watched it firsthand last year. They've got a good line of scrimmage and some, some, some ball hawks at linebacker and safety. Um, so Costello needed to, to take the top off, and he was unable to do that. But Ian Book, the newly... I guess he's been a starter for two weeks now. Um, put up unreal numbers, 24-33 for 278, four touchdowns, no picks. And then the running back, Dexter Williams for um, Notre Dame, outrushing Bryce Love by nearly 100 yards, averaging 7.7 per carry. Um, so my good has to be Notre Dame in a big 38-17 win. Um, looking good for their uh, playoff playoff hopes. Yeah, I mean, right now Notre Dame looks like uh, I'm not going to give in too much away about who I'm going to be buying and selling later on in our State of the Union stock watch, but Notre Dame looks as good as any team in the country now that they have Ian Book back there. I mean, it's Brandon Wimbush just had no no reason to be out on that field. Ian Book's got it. They're rolling, and uh, yeah, I think that's a solid good performance pick right there. 
Uh, my bad performance of the week, Mississippi State. I mean, uh, what? Woof is all I got to say about that. Uh, Nick Fitzgerald looks really rough. Uh, he went 11 for 26, only 98 yards through the air. Kylan Hill was their lead rusher, and he only rushed for 41 yards. That's not a great day, folks. Uh, I don't know what's going on there. And you know what? Honestly, I'm going to give an honorary good to Dan Mullen because right there, what all I'm seeing when I look at those stats is I think Dan Mullen was a damn quarterback whisperer because he was able to get a performance performances out of Nick Fitzgerald, where last year we're going, he's the best quarterback in college football right now. He's great. If he was going in the draft, you know, he'd be, you know, second behind Baker Mayfield. You know, he'd be contending with Sam Darnold for that second spot. And it, what we're seeing now with Moorhead is that he really just is not that great of a quarterback. There's a reason why Georgia didn't want him, despite him being a lifelong dog. And I think that's what we're seeing right now, unfortunately. I'd love for him to keep doing well. But that's not the story we're seeing unfolding down there in Stark Vegas. So unfortunate for them, but that's my bad performance of the week. My bad. I'm going with the dogs. And the dogs, the other dogs, the real dogs in Georgia um, didn't play very well, in my opinion, this week. You hear it all the time. It's it's kind of a laughing, you know, running joke. But there is some truth to it. The, uh, the good teams win. The elite teams cover. This is a game where... You knew Georgia was going to win. There was no need to be nonchalant about it. They did not come out ready to play, in my opinion. They should have put up 60 points on Tennessee. Hell, Tennessee didn't even move the ball across midfield in the first half. And then it took two late touchdowns to really make the ball game look like it was a blowout. Um, When you've got, you know, from, again, an efficient day, 16 of 22 for 185. But you, you just, it was such a... We've got we've got trouble. It seemed like we don't have that go-to running back this year. That, like Michelle, you know, last year or in years past, Gurley was that guy. You know, we, we we've always had a guy who can make people miss and can do things, and, and when he needs to. And I don't think we have that guy this this year. I just we don't have that that number one back. And then we don't have even though we played well against the run. Um, we, we do not have a nose tackle who will just clog up the middle that you need in a 3-4 defense um, and let those linebackers roam free. And then when those because we don't have that, those linebackers are getting eaten up and are just not as good as, as needed, be, needed to be, in my opinion, to be elite. So some issues, hopefully some of the young guys, especially in the linebacking core, can, uh, can, can make some fast improvements going, uh, going forward with the season. But yeah, my bad was, was Georgia despite winning. I think that, uh, I'm not going to say it wasn't ugly at times and a bad performance at times as well, but I think ultimately what we need to remember and what we need to temper ourselves with as Georgia fans is that ultimately we did crockpot them and, and, and we did get it done. We came out a little lackluster the second half and uh, gave up, you know, some plays that we shouldn't have. But that being said, other than the run game, we'll be fine. Uh, nothing's, nothing's scaring me yet. Uh, I, I, I'm sure when we're going to LSU, I'll be more nervous than I would have been. But I'm okay with that. I, I, I think that we're doing well enough that I feel okay. Uh, I'm not saying that we look like the national championship team from last year, but do I think that we're probably going to head to Atlanta in December undefeated to face uh, an Alabama team? Yeah, I do. 
Uh, so I, so I, I get what you're saying, and I do agree that at times it looked bad. But I'm just going to say right now, to all you Georgia fans, temper your expectations a little bit. I mean, this this is not – this is a younger team. We knew it was going to be like this. We've got some great talent. They're not all the way developed yet. But would you rather it be, it be what we're seeing in Athens? Or, I mean, God forbid you're a freaking Auburn fan right now, and you have no – you've got less run game than Georgia. True, and- true. But you've got arguably the best quarterback in the country who may be doing – his stats may not be showing that, but but trust me, he will be one of the top draft picks. He's a good I I I'd take him on my team right now. I don't know if I agree with that, but we'll see. We shall see. That's gonna lead into my ugly performance of the week. My ugly performance of the week's not necessarily a team. It's more so what the uh, final AP top twenty five poll is. And and I think that this is kind of pathetic that we've got a Kentucky team who is five and zero. In SEC, I mean, they're in the SEC, which I understand there's arguments about what the best conference is. But to go 5-0 and in the SEC is pretty big. And to, to take down, at the time, we thought was a really good Mississippi State team. And at the end of the year, they might end up, you know, salvaging something. But Kentucky, to take down Mississippi State, to take down South Carolina, to take down Florida, uh, to dominate Murray State. Uh, and, and they're not even in, I mean, they're in the top 25, yes. But then you've got Auburn at number eight above them. You've got Wash a one-loss Washington at ten above them. Uh, you know you've got a UCF, which granted is undefeated, but heck, it's UCF. They're not even in a Power Five conference ahead of them. And I just don't understand that, to be honest with you. I think that Kentucky needs to be up there with the big dogs. They need to be right in there with nestled in between West Virginia and a one-loss uh, Auburn. And and they need to. I, I think that the polls are a little bit of an ugly performance here, uh, just based off what I'm seeing. Poor Kentucky. Granted, it's super exciting for them, but come on, give credit where credit's due. It's not like we're watching again. I understand why UCF is twelve when they're undefeated, but you can't be ranking Auburn up in the number eight and Kentucky down in thirteen. That's just—it's weird to me. I don't understand it, but that's neither here nor there. I'm sure that it'll all get figured out. Pierce, what's your ugly performance of the week? Clemson. Um, pretty simple. Well. Uh- what do you mean? I'm just going to untrust for a second. They were playing Syracuse, who is is not bad this year. No. Well, you didn't let me finish. Well, okay. Yes, they're not bad. I actually have watched a good bit of them. They actually, they've got a pretty dang good quarterback um, in Eric Dungey. I think that dude is a baller. Um, unfortunately, last year got hurt, um, so wasn't able to put up a full season. But that dude can play some football, and they've got some sneaky skill around him. Um, but piggybacking off your bad or ugly from last week with Kelly Bryant deciding to transfer, not even, you know, what I don't get is it's not so much, okay, transferring, I get that, but to remove yourself from the program, I mean, what are you going to be doing? Stay with the program, even if Trevor Lawrence gets hurt like he did, you can tell coach. Hey, coach, I'm not burning my red shirt. Obviously, my time here is done. But still be still be practicing. Still be he's gonna he's gonna go to a team next year and be so cold. With that being said, I'll get back on topic. Trevor Lawrence gets hurt. Um, I think he's gonna be okay in the long run. Yeah, they've announced he'll be playing next but, week. Or but this weekend. He's a twig. And in that offense, if he doesn't learn to get down or if he takes off and runs he's going to be in trouble, and they don't have anybody behind him. If it wasn't for Etienne or Etienne, 
who ran for 203 yards, they would have lost that game. I, I was listening to the Putt and Pass podcast with Drew Butler and Aaron Murray, and, and Aaron, to your point, said exactly what you just said. You were in college football now. You could have probably gotten away with that run there, Trevor Lawrence, in high school, but you're playing against bigger and faster and stronger dudes, and you can't. You got to get out of bounds. And, and there's something to be said. I hate it. I love when a QB, like, you know, I hate Tebow, but there's something to be said about a guy who'll just run and doesn't care about getting hit. But when you're a QB and you know you've got a lack of talent or uh, depth on your team, rather, at your position, you got to protect yourself. So, uh, you know, sliding, uh, getting out of bounds, doing everything you can to not take that right there in the neck. Luckily, he's not more hurt than he is, and he's apparently he's going to be back next game. I'm not sure what kind of um, shape he'll be in. I don't know if he was, you know, I hopefully he's not, you know, playing through concussion or anything like that, but uh, not great. And, and that's why it was my bad last week, and that's why it's your ugly this week. Uh, hopefully Clemson, I mean, they're a good team, so hopefully they are able to right the ship despite these QB uh, mishaps, I guess you should, would say. Let's go ahead then and get into our tweet caps. Um, I will go ahead, let me find them first of all. Uh, so I'll go ahead and uh, I'll read the game off and, and the tweet, and then Pierce, if you want to take it over and do a little bit of a brief synopsis of what you saw. You got to see more of the games than I did. I was at the UGAUT game, so I did not get to see every single one, but of course I watched highlights and things of that nature. Uh, first up, our game that we picked, West Virginia at Texas Tech. West Virginia coming out on top 42-34. to 34. With win over ranked Texas Tech, West Virginia breaks through into the top 10 for the first time since 2012. A little shocking to you that it's the first time they're up there? I mean, they always start the season with high hopes, but it was just, you know, middle of the season, end of season when we're going, what happened to them? No, not not too shocking. Um, they always seem to have good teams that look like they're going to make that leap, but they, I'm not, not, not surprised about this team. This team's good. Um, more surprised with Tech staying staying closer with West Virginia than I thought, but, you know, this this game kind of went as planned, I guess, other than that. Uh, apologize if y'all heard the dang whatever sounds like a bomber flying over our house. It was a loud plane. Um, yeah, no, I agree with you. I think that if it weren't for Tua Tungavailoa, we would be see Will Greer would be the front runner for the Heisman. Uh, great, I mean they're they're a pretty good team, and uh, we shall see. And again, we'll get to that in the stock watch there. But uh, I got, uh, got a little something to say about uh, West Virginia. All right, Florida at Mississippi State. Florida holding off the Bulldogs to win thirteen to six. My tweet cap was, remember last year when the narrative was, wow, Nick Fitzgerald's only other FBS scholarship offer was MTSU? This year it's been replaced by, well, Nick Fitzgerald's only other FBS scholarship was MTSU. Hey now, shots fired at the largest university in the state of Tennessee where we live. They actually have okay teams every now and then, but yeah, this was a pillow fight here. Um, One I couldn't even watch, but. Props to uh, Mullen turning turning things around in a hurry, um, but other than that, thirteen six that's that's just a ridiculous game. Yeah, not not a, the most fun game to watch if you sat around and uh, watched that game. All right, Stanford at Notre Dame. I thought this was going to be more interesting than it was, but Notre Dame absolutely took care of business, seventeen to thirty eight. The Irish on top. Notre Dame's defensive front imposed their will on the Cardinal, and it might be time to start thinking about a Notre Dame-Alabama national championship there, Pierce. I wouldn't go that far. I do <laughs> I do like them. I do like them a lot. I've been on them, even though they. Uh, a lot of people thought they were the inferior opponent to Vanderbilt um, coming off, off that narrow win. 
a lot of people thought Shermer and company um, just had a few a uh, few mistakes that cost them the game. But Notre Dame in the big games, they're stepping up, and that's what you got to have. So, yeah, wasn't surprised about this. I picked Notre Dame. Uh, like I said, it, it had to be Costello for the QB for Stanford had to bust the top off the defense, and he wasn't able to do that. I was watching uh, SportsCenter earlier, and there was – an interview with um, Brian Kelly, and he had this gleeful smile. He looked like a little kid that finally was told that he's uh, tall enough to ride the roller coaster. So he's uh, finally walking along with the big boys there. Like I said, Alabama, Georgia, things of that nature. All right, South Carolina at Kentucky. Kentucky Wildcats taking this one 24-10. Bubba-Binny and the Jets. Snell fails to break 100 yards, but the Cats keep rolling thanks in large part to three interceptions from Jake Bentley. Shocked. Shocked. Um, especially how it was done. Uh, Bentley playing poorly. I, I thought this would be a close game. I thought Kentucky would put up a good fight. But in the end, I thought that having Bentley, a, a, a proven quarterback who's gone through the SEC, would end up being able to just, you know, carry his team to, to a three or seven point win. Shocked by this. All roads to the SEC East Championship go through Lexington. <laughs> Never thought I would be hearing those words, but you are correct. All right, the big marquee matchup of the night was Ohio State at Penn State. The Buckeyes holding or coming from behind rather to win twenty-seven to twenty-six. Still scratching my head as to why James Franklin ran the ball on fourth and five. Buckeyes come back to take down Penn State. So I, I admittedly passed out um, during this game. Some fan you are. Yeah, I know. Um, I I don't remember who I picked, but I figured it would be kind of one of these games where it came down to the wire, and Penn State might have outplayed Ohio State. I don't know if that was actually the case, but at the end, the when you've got a coach who sold his soul to the devil, you, you always come out on top on these games. So are we talking about Franklin or Meyer? Well, they, yeah, <laughs> they're argue equally both, bad, but. The winner in this one, that's, you know, they just uh, when you've when you've done that, you find you get lucky, you get fi- you find ways to uh, to just come out on top. So there's nothing more to say. Well, to answer your question, you uh, and I both picked. If I keep talking, I'm gonna get really pissed about this game. Yeah, about one team. About Ohio State. Okay, well, we'll get to that later. Um, you and I both picked Ohio State in that game, just so you know. Jeff, with one of his uh, only, one of his three of his only correct picks, picked Penn State. How about uh, old James Franklin chirping at a fan there as he was leaving the field, though? Not surprised. He's a sore loser. <laughs> Worst look, him doing that or, J- or uh, Jimbo Fisher shaking his uh, player by the uh, face mask? Oh, Franklin. I agree. That I agree. happens all the time in football, Jimbo shaking the player's face mask. Well, it got caught on camera, which was the bad look of it. Oh, it's that's such a – it. why do we treat everything with child gloves these days? You, that happened in peewee football all the time. People would grab your face mask, they'd shake it, pull you in, and look you in the eye and, and rip you. And well, and would, to be fair, the player came out and said, I'm fine with it. That's, that's the way football, football is. Exactly. But James Franklin leaving the field and having to get restrained by a security officer because he was trying to climb up in the stands to tell a fan who was saying, "I love you, coach, but you got it. why'd you why'd you run on fourth and five? You know, hey, 
not a great look by the old ball coach there. All right, we still got a couple more games here to go through, Pierce. BYU at Washington, the Huskies winning 17-34. Jake Browning proves he is a major dude, and the Huskies dominate the Fighting Mormons. Exactly what I thought would happen. Um, BYU's two big wins over Arizona and Wisconsin. They were down. They were destined to fall in one of these big games, but I knew this would be the one because they hadn't faced a QB who could throw the ball until now. Not surprised by this outcome. Ole Miss at LSU, the Tigers. Go Tigers. 45-16. to Joe Burrow gets it done through the air and on the ground with almost 400 combined yards to lead the Tigers past another SEC West opponent. Granted, it's Ole Miss. Ole Miss isn't having the best year, but still something to be said when you're playing in the toughest division in football. Yeah, I actually, this spread was at a very odd number. I couldn't decide because, you know, sometimes these games, these little sneaky rivalry games in the SEC or in other conferences for that matter, you'll get inspired performances. Um, This was one where I was surprised to see LSU come out and just really just manhandle them and take control of the game and end it pretty quickly. Yep, and Joe Burrow, the leader on both uh, passing yards, obviously, and rushing yards. Uh, you know, hey, that uh, that transfer's looking better and better for the Tigers every day. Oregon at Cal. Oregon holding off, or not holding off, Oregon dominating the Cal Golden Bears 42-24. to Someone get Cal a quarterback fast. Their duo of Garbers and McElwain each get picked off twice and the Golden Bears lose mightily at home. Did you stay up and uh, watch that game? I did not. Um, if, if I didn't stay up to watch the end of the Ohio State game... Well, I to be fair, I don't remember when Oregon and Cal kicked off because we're an SEC country, so we don't normally watch these games. But as a, a Oregon duck at heart, I always catch the uh, highlights the next day. Never never doubt my mind um, that Oregon would win this game. Never doubt. No, nothing is more a to- dude. He's good, and and they're just top to bottom. This team has more um, talent than than a Cal, and unfortunately, that when that's the case, you gotta have everything go right in order to win. So, we already went over this one uh, with your good, bad, and ugly. So I'll see if you have anything else to add. I'll go ahead and do my tweet cap, and then uh, give you a little bit of a second or two to to hopefully not get too in depth. Considering I think you might get a little bit pissed off at the microphone. Tennessee at Georgia. Georgia winning thirty eight to twelve. Georgia's rushing game remains an issue, but a good old-fashioned crock-potting gets it done for the dogs. Well, here's the funny thing. Yes, and 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 I'm getting ripped by some colleagues and some buddies because I You're say, wearing orange today. I know. I did that on purpose. When I put it on, I thought, oh, I'm wearing my UT orange today. It's my first orange shirt that I've ever bought. Spitting image of fat Phil Fulmer. Love it. Hey. <laughs> I'll take that. No, <laughs> n- just nickname me the pumpkin. So it's a great pumpkin, Charlie Brown. <laughs> I actually heard someone the other day say, "Man, I wish we had the pumpkin back." <laughs> you c- you kind of do. It was do. a UT fan, yeah. You kind of so do. So it's funny, you know. You get a team effort, and the rushing comes out and looks great at the end of the day. But again, we just don't have that guy who can put the team on his back. You know, Holyfield. I love what Holyfield can do because especially with some some key linemen injured, um, which still shouldn't be an excuse. We should be able to not only dominate the D-line, but get to the second level, which we're not doing consistently enough. I like Holyfield because he kind of does that little jump, jump, hop, step thing um, that buys him a little more time. And But he's like Chubb. He, you hit him, he's going to go. He, he looks for contact just about. 
He's not going to juke you or spin move you or whatnot. That's where Swift comes into play. However, Swift, when he gets these handoffs, doesn't seem to be getting any room inside, and he's always looking to bounce it outside. And so he, it's either going for 10, 15, 20 yards, or it's going for a loss of one. Mm-hmm. He's not the dude that we thought we were going to have. Unfortunately, that's that was probably Zamir White, who's out for the year with an ACL. So we haven't seen him yet. And then Harrion's a very serviceable guy. Um, I think what you saw this week was, hey, as long as things keep working out, we might start running fields 10, 15 times a as game. As we should. The problem is if you get if you get him hurt, then you're looking at a, a Trevor Lawrence Clemson situation because, and it's even worse because they have a they have a Scully guy as their backup to Lawrence. We be have our guy would be a walk on. Well, I think that to yes, I understand what you're saying. I get that, uh, but the difference between the Trevor Lawrence situation was they had two guys, they mismanaged the situation. And now they've got one guy. Whereas yeah. if it was an unfortunate James F- or Justin Fields getting hurt, you know that's again unfortunate. Uh, but we still yeah. have from there, and I'm feeling a, you know slightly better about our chances than Trevor Lawrence getting hurt for Clemson and having Chase Bryce out there. And 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 I'm being a little unfair in regards to Georgia's win because they did come out and win and play great on defense and everything, and you knew this was going to be the outcome, but. I guess I'm down because Fromm had probably three or four overthrows that should have been touchdowns. He missed Riley Reed and or Ridley. Wow, Riley Ridley in the back of the end zone on about a 45 yard pass that you could tell flew out of his hands and went straight in the air um, and overthrew him by a yard. He overthrew Holloman um, when he needed to throw it over his left shoulder, like you're taught. He let him into the safety and overthrew him. And then you had a boneheaded play by Swift who dropped a screen pass and had nobody in front of him but three red 330-pound blockers. So it's some of the little things that that we really don't make, we haven't made the last year and a half that I saw this week that, that was alarming. Well, we got one more game here to tweet cap, so let's move on here from the Georgia game. We'll talk about them later when we preview the Vandy matchup. Michigan at Northwestern. Uh, Michigan holding off the Wildcats to win 20-17. to Of course, I say holding off. Again, this is another come-from-behind victory. Despite Northwestern's early lead, Shea Patterson and Michigan proved to be too much for a struggling Wildcat squad. Of course, they've only won one game this year. What do you say about this game, Pierce? Northwestern's always pesky at home. It's another uh, one of those fields, kind of like Iowa State, that just seems to play slow. That said... <laughs> If if Michigan had lost this game, I think Harbaugh is probably he probably doesn't get back on the bus or the plane, in my opinion. Not a chance. They love that dude. All right, let's go to do it for our tweet caps. Let's go ahead and move into our picks. We've got a state of the union to get to, and I don't want to give the people a two-hour podcast. So, uh, you ready for do these picks? Let's roll. Uh, let's get ready to rumble. First matchup that we are looking at is Vandy at Georgia. Georgia, the 26-and-a-half favorite there. Scares me a little bit just because they couldn't cover it. Uh, they couldn't cover the 31-and-a-half versus Tennessee. I kind of thought they'd come out, you know, after st- kind of struggling. I mean, we say struggling. It's really you win by two touchdowns 
on the road in the SEC, did you really struggle? But, you know, you don't live up to expectations at Mizzou. You think you're going to come out versus, uh, or, you know, in it, playing Tennessee at home and be able to take care of business. We don't cover there. Scares me a little bit. 26 and a half is a lot of points. That being said, I think, you know, Kirby is going to have these guys really, it could be a trap game too because looking ahead to LSU, right? But I think that, you know, we need to show off a little bit, keep getting our guys involved, keep getting them reps. I hate to say a little bit of a practice, but a little bit of a practice for LSU. So give me the dogs cautiously. Man, I want to go Vandy so bad it hurts. Oh, it hurts. Because when you have a quarterback like Shermer who can just spin the rock, it's hard not to take that the underdog that's getting this many points. That said, I really think that this Georgia team is going to have the toughest week of practice that they will have had all year. And it was made, it was a very big point, and this is known in the dog community. When we lost to Georgia in Kirby's first year, he vowed to never. Sorry, yep. He vowed that that would never happen again as long as he was there. And you saw he did not let up last year when we when we were up 40 points in the third quarter. Um I think we come out, we are fired up, pissed off. We just had the toughest. We, You're hearing that these games against lesser opponents are the toughest practices or toughest weeks of practice because they're really riding the guys, trying to get them to learn a lot. So I think they're going to have an inspired effort um, on the practice field and won't look ahead because the coaches won't let them look ahead this week. And the more I think about it, if this was 28, I'd be nervous, but at 26 and a half, I'll go dogs, but scared. Okay, so we're both cautious in that UGA pick, but ultimately the heart wants what the heart wants, and we got to pick our dogs. All right, Maryland at Michigan. Michigan is going to be giving 17 and a half points on that game, and based off of the last tweet cap we did, I don't like Michigan's chances to win by 18 points. Give me Maryland on the road. I think that the Terps are able to at least cover that spread. Enough said. Maryland, um, Maryland isn't the best of ball clubs, but Michigan hasn't shown me enough, especially with Shea Patterson, to um, to show me that they can put up 30 points, and that's what they're going to need, in my opinion, to cover the spread. So give me Maryland. All righty. Missouri at South Carolina. South Carolina be going to be giving two points on that. And I like the Tigers. I think that ultimately, um, you know, it's unfortunate. South Carolina's going to be a little bit fired up after coming off of that Kentucky loss. They're back at home. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Is this their first home game since the Georgia game before the hurricane? Uh, I believe so. I don't know. I'm probably wrong on that. doesn't matter. Anyways, I still like Missouri in this. I still think that Missouri gets it done. I like Drew Locke better than Jake Bentley. He had a rough performance last week. Um, and you know what? I, I think Missouri wins outright. I like that pick a lot, um, but I'm I, I got to go with uh, South Carolina. That that's a crazy environment. As as odd as this is to say, um, I think where South Carolina struggles is on the line of scrimmage, and Mizzou, while they run the ball effectively, where they're going to beat teams is going to be through the air. And South Carolina actually has a, uh, some good DBs back there, so. Um, I think Williams Bryce will be hopping. It's a, it's a short number. Um, I think uh, South Carolina finds a way to get a much needed victory here and uh, and um, give their fan base something to to be a little bit happy about. 
The next game on my docket was the Red River Rivalry. Can't even say that fast. Red River Rivalry. Red River Rivalry. But uh, we're going to go that. That's the headlining game, so we're going to skip over that. Iowa State at Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State. The Pokes giving 10 points. And uh, I like Iowa State in this one. I think that Iowa State's the kind of team, and granted, it's on the road, but Iowa State's the kind of team that you get trapped up on. Um, I think that Oklahoma State's been a little bit shaky this year, so uh, I think that 10 points is a lot for the Pokes to handle. I think they win, but they don't do it by 10 points. Another great pick by you. You're you're thinking more like uh, you're thinking more like a gambler today, in my opinion. What what's got hey, into you? Hey, now. We don't condone gambling on this podcast, but if we were to gamble. <laughs> well, I like that. Uh, Iowa, obviously, Iowa State covered the spread against TCU, which is a travesty. That's a joke. That that program, TCU, don't even get me started. Um, I got to go with Oklahoma State here. I just think at the end of the day, Iowa State will, won't be able to put up 20 points, and Oklahoma State will put up 40. 10, 10 is too little or too few, Oklahoma State. Alrighty, LSU at Florida. Go Tigers. Florida's going to be getting two and a half points on the game. This has become a little bit of a uh, heated rivalry in the recent years. Of course, LSU is Florida's uh, um, always. They always are scheduled, even though it's cross-divisional. Uh, permanent is the, name, is the word I was looking for. Uh, but that being said, it's been a little bit chippy as of late. I like Joe Burrow and the Tigers, though. I think that they get it done. I wouldn't even worry about it. They're not focused. I mean, they could get caught looking ahead to Georgia, but I don't think so. I think that Florida and Felipe Franks can't get it done versus, you know, they can't keep pace with Joe Burrow. Yeah, I'd say this is a trap game for LSU um, if it weren't for the fact that Florida had a pretty uh, tough matchup at Mississippi State last week. Uh, I just think LSU is just a far superior team. They, uh, they cover this spread, win outright. Alrighty, Kentucky at Texas A&M. Texas A&M going to be giving five and a half points. That is just downright disrespectful to Kentucky. Um, I, uh, Kellen Mond and Jimbo and the boys didn't have a great game last week. Um, Kentucky's rolling five and a half points. They're going to be getting five and a half points too. I, I, I really think that Kentucky handles business. Even if they don't win, I think that they cover the spread. A&M. Give me a And M. Um, yeah, that's a tough place to play down there in College Station. Um, not to mention that while you could argue Texas A and M fans, kind of like Florida fans, are kind of out of it. The season's, you know, for the most part over. Their aspirations of winning any championships are done. But the fact that you have a Kentucky team coming in that's highly ranked will get this crowd fired up. I think uh, Kellamon throws all over. Kentucky. I do think Kentucky scores and keeps it somewhat close, but I think in the end, A and M by ten is a pretty solid bet. I got so maybe selfishly, I really want to watch an undefeated Georgia and undefeated Kentucky there. Oh, same, same. That'd be a fun little. We're going to be at that game in our ambulance, so uh, that'd be a fun little game to be at. All right, Auburn at Mississippi State. Mississippi State going to be picking up three points on that game. And honestly, they need way more than that. I don't like Nick Fitzgerald and his performance he's been putting on. I really think Moorhead needs to get it together down there. Uh, Auburn, while they've been struggling on the rushing attack, uh, to your point, Jarrett Sidden's a pretty good QB, and I think that they win by at least a touchdown. So give me Auburn. Agreed. You took the words right out of my mouth. Auburn. All right. Uh, note, we're flying through these today. I love it. Maybe we won't ever have a guest picker again. Just kidding. I'd get tired of talking to your ugly face every single day. All right. Auburn, oh, we already did that. Notre Dame at Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech picking up five and a half points. And you know what? Give me the points. Virginia Tech is going to cover. They're not going to win. Don't get me wrong. They're not going to win. But I think they cover. 
I think Notre Dame, this is, you know, Notre Dame doesn't have a ton of challenges left on its schedule. Uh, Vatek, of course, losing to Old Dominion. That's embarrassing. But they've rebounded. And they've been, you know, they're ranked again. They're, they're doing better. So I think that Virginia Tech at least keeps it close. Uh, and Notre Dame wins, but doesn't cover the spread. I agree. Coming off such a big spot last week, Notre Dame playing Stanford, now going into a hostile environment in a sneaky, sneaky tough place to play. Um, in Blacksburg, Virginia, give me the points. I still, uh, I wouldn't take, I wouldn't take uh, Virginia Tech money line, but I wouldn't be surprised to see it make if they got the upset here. Um, but uh, give, give me the points uh, in Blacksburg, Hokies, uh, Hokies cover. Hokey, hokey, high, high. All right, Arizona State at Colorado. Arizona State's just the team that I cannot quit. I can't get keep them off of our pick sheet. I love watching those games, the Fighting Herm Edwards, and they're doing a lot better than anybody anticipated. Colorado's going to be picking up two and a half points. And uh, I, you know what? I like Arizona State in it. I think that uh, Colorado's ranked higher than they should be. Uh, two and a half points is not going to be enough. Like I said, Herm Edwards has got the Sun Devils rolling, I think, on the road. They're fired up. Uh, Pac-12 after dark. Give me the Sun Devils. Uh, give me Colorado. I think that they. Uh, I think the Sun Devils are kind of depleted. They've had a pretty tough uh, schedule so far, and um, I think Colorado is a sneaky. They're not going to win the Pac-12, but they're uh, they're kind of like a Utah this year. They just seem to they seem to take care of business against the teams that they should beat, and and they're very competitive against teams that. That maybe uh, have a higher skill level. So, give me, uh, give me Colorado in this one. All right. Well, we're, it's finally time to pick the Red River rivalry. Ugh. As a little kid who couldn't say their R's when they were a little kid, rather, Red River rivalry is very hard to say. It's tough. You got to get used to it. Red River rivalry. Uh, it's the L. It's the L and the R at the end of rivalry. No, it's it's River rivalry. It's the River rival. That allry is the tough part. Red, Red River ri- rivalry. River. It's the R to R. It's the Red River. That's what gets whatever. Gotcha. Anyways, Red River rivalry. You're right. It's rivalry. Yep. All right. Texas at Oklahoma. Well, not at. It's it's you know, not at Co- anywhere. Cotton Bowl. Thank you. It's the Cotton Bowl. I don't know. Texas Although they might like be that. playing that in Cherry World. These it's wherever days. the fair is. But it is. It's Cotton Bowl. That's okay, where the so fair it's the Cotton is, Bowl. Yeah. Um, you know, both fan bases are going to be fired up. Uh, Texas is finally doing better uh, than they've been in the past years. This game actually means something. All of the fans are about to be hyped up on deep-fried butter and Twinkies. Uh, Oklahoma's going to be giving 7.5 points. It's not enough. I know Texas is quote-unquote back. I know that they've been doing great despite getting off to a losing uh, losing right off the bat to Maryland. Kyler Murray, though, and, and the boys in Norman are just something else. They've been blowing opponents out. They, they just... Uh, 66 points versus Baylor. Now, granted, they'll give up a lot of points, too. They gave up 33 to Baylor. But 66 points, give me a break. For that reason, give me Oklahoma. They're going to outpace Texas, and uh, Texas is just not going to be able to uh, to match that. Give me Texas outright. Ooh. Texas in a stunner. Bold. They keep things, they keep the score low. They play great defense. They they went on the line of scrimmage. Um, they forced Kyler Murray to run the ball and make some some errant throws. And um, Texas is Texas just Herman's got this thing going around. And and yeah, give me give me uh, give me Texas to win outright in that one. But you know, a little icing on the cake or a cherry on top. You can take the seven and a half. 
Okay. Well, we agree to disagree on that one. Pierce, it's about that time. Are you ready to hit the people with your easy peasy games of the week? Yeah, the, the, this week was tough. I'm not going to lie. I have one I really, really love, one I like, but I'm kind of... I'm starting to kind of think twice about it, and then one that I'm going to throw in there that's going to tick you off. I'm going to go ahead and do our little preface, our little warning, our disclaimer, if you will. We don't condone gambling here, the Sibling Rivalry Podcast, but if you were to gamble, Pierce is going to tell you, of course, he went 4-0 last week, he's going to tell you where to win the money this week. So go ahead, hit us. What are your easy-peasy games of the week? <laughs> easy-peasy lemon-squeezy. Easy peasy games of the week. Lock it in. Bet of the week. Give me the over 52 in the Georgia Vandy game. If Vandy doesn't score 20, which I think they will get to about 17 or 20, the dogs will make up for it and get 50, um, at least 45. I mean, if you think about it, Georgia, if this is a close game and it's 35 to 20, 21, that still covers. This seems this makes no sense to me. They're thinking that this is going to be a defensive battle. Um, Georgia puts up 35-plus points a game. Shermer can throw the ball. Over 52 is a joke. Pound, pound, pound the over 52 in the Dogs and Commodores game. My next one, sneaky one, I think, for you. Give me the under 57 in the Notre Dame-Virginia Tech game. Virginia Tech plays Salty D. They're going to be pissed off with uh, with uh, the Catholics rolling into town. Catholics, even though Book looks great, coming in off a big um, test in Stanford, they're going to be battered and bruised. Um, I think this is going to be a sloppy game, somewhere around like a 24-17 to 17 type game. So give me the under 57 in that game. And then I got to do it. I got to throw it in. I've bet on them every week. Give me UCF minus 24 against SMU. I know you hate, you want over and unders, but. Well, if we don't pick them in our picks. UCF all day, baby. UCF covers the 24 against SMU. Book it. Easy peasy games of the week. Three locks. Lock them in now before the line changes and win you some free money. You're doing weird voices today. Well, I'm sick. So, like, my voice is kind of like are off. So you being sick makes you say, "When you some money, yeah." It makes me girl, feel like money, an old money. grouchy fifty-year-old. Well, you do look like Phil Fulmer. All right, we are going to be. We're done I prefer here. pumpkin. Okay, we're done. <laughs> we're done here with our look ahead for next week, week six of the college football season. So what? You know what? Let's go ahead and let's look ahead to what we all are already keeping our eyes on: the playoffs. We're going to do a little bit of a stock watch here. We're going to go through. We've listed the top 10 uh, teams in the nation right now. And uh, if we're going to go kind of go through, look at our, their key wins, their resume, if you will, what they have ahead, what they kind of they still could potentially either get caught up on or have more uh, notches under their belt. And then we're going to buy or sell them. Uh, Pearson, I haven't correlated on this. I don't know what he's going to be doing. I tried to tried to be a little sneaky. I tried not to do the status quo and just buy all of the, you know, top five teams and sell all the bottom five. I tried to mix it up a little bit, um, but certainly there's a reason they're ranked that way. So let's go ahead and get into it. Our state of the union here at the turning into week six uh, as we as we round the corner there. All right. Uh, I'll start it off then. Number one in the nation, Alabama. 
key wins? Not really any. But it's not who they're beating. It's how they're beating them. They are outscoring their opponents 271-65. to Tua Tungavailoa, has he even seen the fourth quarter yet? I don't think he has. So, you know... Alabama, it's not, again, it's not who they're beating. It's the fact that they're doing it in dominating fashion. They do have a couple games left to mark on your calendar if you're hoping to see the, uh, you know, Tide get challenged. They're going to be going to Death Valley to play LSU in early November. And then, of course, the Iron Bowl. Of course, Auburn will be traveling to Alabama. Not sure how competitive that game will be this year, but Auburn has a tendency to start a little bit slow and ramp up as the year goes on. Maybe they'll just notch to win versus Georgia, kind of have their confidence up a little bit. That game is obviously rivalry week, the last week of the season. I don't know what you're feeling about Alabama, but I think it's pretty easy. Bye, bye, bye. I don't know how they don't make it to the college football playoff at this point, even if they, you know, lose the SEC championship to Georgia. They're still in. Go ahead. Easiest buy of the week. I'm on I'm on the buy train as well. Um, buy them. They're clearly the best team in the country. And uh, as long as they don't have multiple significant injuries, um, I think this will go down as the best Bama team in history. Hey, if there's injuries, they just poop another player out. That's true. <laughs> All right. The next, the number two team in the nation, which, you know, I don't know if they deserve to be number two, but that's fine. Georgia. Key wins. Again, they haven't really played many people either, but they did go to South Carolina in week two, took down the Gamecocks 41-17. to uh, And, you know, they, they're beating their opponents by a lot as well, even though to us we're so close to it we don't feel like we're dominating. And, again, it doesn't look like dominating performances. You look at the box score after the fact and you go, hey, that's a pretty good team. It's just some old crockpotting as opposed to getting out to a fast start. Uh, do have some big games left, though, traveling to LSU here in the, next week, rather. Uh, and that's... Uh, Oh, that's the first challenge. The second challenge is you got to play Florida. And I don't care how down Florida is. That's always a game that we get trapped up on. Uh, You know, it's just not something that we feel always comfortable about. And then going to Lexington to play Kentucky in uh, early November. Kentucky's rolling. It seems to be the biggest challenge left in the SEC East for Georgia if they don't get tripped up on Florida. (sighs) I know there's a lot of reasons to sell. But I got to buy. I'm nervous about the way they're playing. But they're winning their games, and they're winning them pretty solidly, and they're in the driver's seat in the SEC East. Unless something crazy happens, we're going to watch them play Alabama in the SEC Championship. Could they get absolutely whipped up on? Yeah, it's possible. But is it also possible that they're an undefeated Alabama versus an undefeated Georgia, and, you know, Georgia hangs with them, and we're looking at this going, well, dang, those are the two best teams in the nation. They need to both go to the college football playoffs. Also very possible. I'm buying them. I can't sell Georgia. If you ask who, if, if this is solely based on who I think can make the playoffs, I'm selling Georgia. But if you're talking about for the rest of the season, I'm buying. Um, I think the only major hurdle that they have to get over this year, and no disrespect to Kentucky or Auburn, um, is LSU. And so I think that this is a team that's going to go out there and take care of business and you know be in that SEC championship game and um, have to relive the uh, loss from the national championship game last year and just miss out on a playoff. So it sounds like I'm selling, but for the season I'll buy them. They're they're I think they're clearly the the second best team in the country. I just don't know if uh, if you can buy a team when they have to go through Alabama. And if they lose, they're not going to make the playoffs. Well, it's possible. 
it's possible. That's all I'm going to say. All right. Ohio State is number three in the land, and their key wins are going to Jerry World in week three, taking down TCU 40-28. to Then, of course, they traveled to Penn State last week and won 26-27. to They have a couple games left that they could potentially... I don't think that there's a ton of challenges left for Ohio State. I'm just going to say that. But they do travel to Michigan State uh, in early November, and then they play their biggest rivals, Michigan, at home late November. Um... I'm buying them. Uh, anything can happen. But Ohio State just passed one of their biggest challenges in Penn State. I don't think that Michigan State and Michigan are big rivals, or, or not, or big challenges for them this year. They just passed their biggest challenge. They just need to avoid any major misstep, and they're in. Got to go by on Ohio State. I really can't tell if they're all that great, to be honest. But when you play in a conference that is so pitiful in the Big Ten – I mean, like to your point, they're going to have to have a slip up. They've gotten past their two um, biggest opponents, and one of which, TCU, I don't think is very good anymore. I thought they were going to be okay, and I think they're a very mediocre 6 and 6 team. Um, so, other than that, yeah, got to buy them. Yeah. All right. So, both like the uh, Ohio State Buckeyes. I think we've both all, we've all, have we both bought on all three teams so far? All right. Here we go. Clemson is number four. Key wins so far, Texas A&M, traveling to Texas A&M. Of course, that was a close one in week two, but they do escape College Station 28-24, to and then they just faced off for Syracuse, uh, and that was in week five. Now, these games could potentially be the kind of games we're looking back at and going, yeah, but they barely beat Texas A&M, and they barely beat Syracuse, but those teams are not necessarily, the narrative's not there right now, I should say. Um, and so, depending on what happens with the last, uh, what I deem the last three challenges for them they've got an nc state in mid-october a duke a pretty good duke team um in mid-november and then the last game of the season they've got south carolina and then of course they'll face off in the uh um acc championship i don't know who it'll be yet probably a miami um i don't know it it scares me a little bit I, i look at those games and i think well there's nobody major it's not like they're playing in oklahoma they don't have to go to west virginia they don't have to play anybody big and major like that but I'm selling them, and I'm selling them because of this. We've touched on it a bunch. QB depth. It scares me for them. Uh, we saw the way they struggled against Syracuse. Trevor Lawrence goes down a little bit early. Uh, you know, Chase Bryce goes in and handles things. But they struggled versus Syracuse. A pretty good Syracuse, but, you know, if that happens versus Duke, I don't know what happens. If it happens versus an undefeated NC State, I don't know what happens. Um Again, there's no major challenges left, but I worry about a trip up, a potential look-ahead game. Um, and then again, I, I worry about Miami, uh, Clemson versus Miami in the ACC championship if they don't trip up any sooner. So I've got to make a quick apology. Um, I said the Big Ten is awful. They're not very good. But when thinking about the ACC, they're better than the ACC and Pac-12. So um, i, I got to sell Clemson. Uh, you hit it on the nail on the head. Um, quarterback controversy, if, if Lawrence goes down, they are screwed. Um, even with that said, they haven't really impressed me all that much in, in other games. They're not covering against the crummy teams. They're just kind of, man, just kind of going out there and, you know, just winning, but doing nothing special. So I'm selling. All right. We're both selling Clemson. Interesting, interesting, interesting. All right, LSU, their key wins are at, they went into Auburn in week three. They took down the, the Tigers took down the Tigers 22 to 24. And then, of course, they played Ole Miss last week and beat the Rebels 45 to 16. 
got a couple big games left, uh, most notably the one versus Alabama. But they first, they have to go to Florida next week. Then they have UGA coming the next week. And then, again, in early November, they are going to play Alabama. That game's going to be at home, so they'll get a little bit of juice off of that. It'll probably be a night game. But I'm selling LSU. If they get through the rest of their games unbeaten, it'll be a miracle. And in that case, they are the best team in the land. But they've got to play a UGA, and they've got to play an Alabama. And there's no way they get out of both those games. There's no way they probably get... There's no way they get out of, uh, you know, that winning one or whatever. Point is, I'll be surprised if they don't lose both. Uh, LSU's true color is about to lie ahead down the home stretch, and I think they're going to be exposed. I am buying LSU. They have the most favorable schedule moving forward, getting two, the number one and two teams, yes, one and two teams, but at home. They will beat Georgia. They will lose to Alabama, and they will get in like Alabama did last year into the playoffs. That's my prediction. LSU has a solid team. Do I think they're better than Georgia on a neutral field? No. They don't have the overall depth and talent there, but they got things rolling. They're believing they're 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 not just winning games that they're supposed to win. They're they're winning them kind of co- pretty convincingly. They did have that one minor slip up uh, against. Uh, I'm I'm drawing a blank. I think it was Louisiana Lafayette or someone like that. One of those UL Monroe's. Yeah, something like that. But um, this team at home, getting these teams at home in Alabama and uh, and uh, Georgia, they don't call it Death Valley for nothing. That's that's probably the toughest place in the country to play. So um, I'm buying on the Tigers. We are uh, opposing there, opposing viewpoints there on the Tigers. Uh, the next one, I'm interested to see what you say. Notre Dame, their key wins, they traveled to Michigan week one. Or no, I'm sorry, they didn't travel to Michigan. Michigan they hosted Michigan and uh, in week one, and they won that game 24-17. to And then, of course, they hosted Stanford last week and won 38-17. They've got uh, three games that I thought were notable left at Virginia Tech next week versus Syracuse in early November and then at USC in late November, I'm buying them. They're clicking. They're clicking as a whole, especially with Ian Book at the helm. They've got no huge wins on their resume. I mean, the Michigan win looked pretty good when it first happened, and now we're kind of going, and Stanford looks big right now, but I think by the end of the year we're going to be going, that wasn't the best win in the world. But they've got that brand. But they should finish unbeaten. And they're going to be able to point back to those and say, but we beat a Stanford and we beat a Michigan. They're they're infamous. I was listening to the uh, Saturday on South podcast and they were talking about this. They don't really play any – they're not playing in Oklahoma. They don't play in Alabama. They don't schedule these huge, huge names, but they've got enough solid wins. They're playing – you know, any they can jump around and play these solid teams, but they're not playing the best in the conferences because they don't have to. Um, So they're going to be able to point back to that and be like, yeah, but we played Michigan, Stanford, and USC and we beat them. But I'm buying them because of that. Uh, I think that they can start dreaming about the national championship at this point. I think that, again, like I said earlier in the podcast, I think we're talking about an Alabama-Notre Dame championship uh, (laughs) at the end of the year. I wouldn't go that far, but I am buying. They just have to get past Virginia Tech this week, and and then it should be smooth sailing, and they'll get in. Um, Although it wouldn't surprise me to see them slip up against an inferior opponent because I don't think they're a top-four team. That said, they get past Virginia Tech. They have nobody worth noting on the left on the schedule. So, buying Notre Dame. All right, Oklahoma is next. Their key wins, there's not really anyone of note, but they are putting up a crazy amount of points on average, except for Army, in which case, woof, barely getting out of that. Had to wait till, or had to uh, go all the way to overtime to beat the Army 
team. Um, their challenges, they've got quite a few challenges left. There was an interesting thing as I'm going through the Big 12. There's no Big 12 team that I think, other than Oklahoma so far, that really jumps out as like, wow, this is a potential playoff contender. But they're all pretty equal. Uh, they're just all equally mediocre, in my opinion. Um, so their challenges left. They play Texas this week. Uh, they go to TCU um, in mid-October, and then they go to Texas Tech in early November, and then uh, they get Oklahoma State the next weekend, and then what at West Virginia to finish off the season. So that's I, I think those are all notable challenges, only because, again, those are all relatively mediocre teams, but they could be tripped upon any of them. I'm selling Oklahoma, though. They can put up a ton of points, but they also let teams score a handful. I think that you can get that done versus a Baylor. You can get that done versus an Iowa State. Even then, that that was a pretty close game. But when you're playing Texas TCU and Texas Tech in you know a span of four or five weeks, that's a lot to deal with, especially going on the road to TCU, to Texas Tech. Um, again, I worry about the stretch of Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, and West Virginia, uh, as well, again, at Texas and TCU as well. They get those last three games in a span of four weeks, Texas Tech, Oklahoma, and West Virginia. Um, so, you know, especially with the idea that you've got an unbeaten Notre Dame, we've toyed around with the idea of that you're probably going to get two SEC teams again. That's three spots taken up. Big 12 is going to be on the outside looking in. And especially if Oklahoma gets tripped up on any of these games, so I'm selling the I'm selling the Sooners. I think even if they finished unbeaten, the fact that Notre Dame is going to be uh, probably in the playoffs, sell, sell, sell. I'm selling too, just not consistent enough. Plus, I got to stick to my guns. I have Texas beating them this week, um, but I don't think it'll be their only loss. They just don't have that look that they had last year. Um, and when you can barely, it takes overtime to beat a triple option team in Army. You're just not not playoff caliber worthy. All right, this next team is our first un or they have a uh, loss rather. All those other teams have been unbeaten, but when we get to number eight, we get Auburn, and Auburn of course has that uh, loss to LSU. Their key wins they did beat Washington to start off the year. They uh, took down the Huskies twenty one to sixteen on a neutral field. Um, they do have a few challenges left. They are going to host Texas A&M in early November. The next week they go to UGA, and then they have a bye week, and then they finish off with Alabama at Alabama. Ridiculously hard sketch. rest of the schedule, in my opinion, especially for a team that's a little bit struggling. They have to travel to Athens. They have to travel to Tuscaloosa. They're going to lose both those games. Sell the Auburn Tigers. The fact that, offense, again, like I said, offense is struggling, have to travel those places, stay away from Auburn stock. I can't say anything more. Sell. Bama, Georgia on the road, T- uh, Tamu at home. They're going to have two losses by the end of the year. They're not going to make it. Sell. All right, West Virginia, their key wins, Texas Tech, or not, sorry. Yes, first they beat Tennessee in week one, uh, 40 to 14. Although a Tennessee team that's a little bit struggling, but still to do that in that dominating fashion, an SEC East team, all that stuff. Um, and then they went to Texas Tech in uh, last week and beat them 42 to 34. Again, Big 12, I think they're all average this year. I think that anybody could be anybody. You don't have a Mississippi State who's not as good. You don't have a Wisconsin who you're looking at going, yeah, but you're not very good. That's an automatic, probably an automatic win. I think that they could get tripped up on any game. They travel to Iowa State in mid-October. Texas, travel to Texas in early November. Then they have TCU the next week. Then the next week they go to Oklahoma State. And then they finish up the year versus Oklahoma. I don't know how they get out of that stretch alive. Sell. Same reason as Oklahoma. The Big 12 will end up canceling themselves out, especially with an unbeaten Notre Dame in play. Bye. They win the Big 12. I think they go undefeated. I think West Virginia represents the Big 12, and um, 
they may not get in. Notre Dame may, if they're both undefeated, Notre Dame may, just because of that stupid luck of the Irish and that brand notoriety, they, they, they'll probably sneak in over West Virginia. But um, I think West Virginia is a pretty, pretty safe pick in the Big 12 as of now. Bye. All right, Washington, again, another uh, team that has a loss. On so. the season. Okay, well, hold on. Washington, their key wins, they uh, hosted BYU last week and won 35-7. They've got to go to Oregon uh, week seven, uh, and then they play the next week versus Colorado, and then they f- uh, have Stanford in early November. But like Pierce already said, I'm selling. With Oregon and Justin Herbert looking strong, Washington will have to be playing uber strong to go into Eugene and win and unless Auburn wins out that loss will continue to look worse and worse which if what we're predicting is coming true they're going to finish the season with three to four wins four losses rather and that Washington uh loss to Auburn is going to look even worse at the end of the season so stay away from buying stocks in any Pac-12 school in my opinion agreed sell uh remaining schedule is just too tough uh at the beginning of the season I didn't think that some of these teams like Oregon would would be looking as good as they do, but uh, I just uh, sell, 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 sell. All right, I also picked a wild card team. Did you pick a wild card team? This is a team that's not in the top ten. I didn't like anything to be honest. Oh, I liked a lot. Really, I liked a lot. I, this is a team that's not in the top ten, and you know maybe they're not necessarily they don't have a shot to make it to the playoffs. But this is a team that could potentially screw some stuff up, could potentially make its way up into you know on the being on the bubble team at the end of the year. Um, I'm interested to see who you picked. There was a few that I kicked around. Um, I liked Kentucky, um, but this is the team that I ultimately picked. Texas at four and one. Their first loss, of course, coming. Uh, when they played Maryland in week one. As we know, when you lose earlier in the year, it's more favorable to the committee. They kind of, you know, forget those early losses and they focus on what's right in front of them at the moment. Uh, They have some key wins. They uh, hosted USC in week three and they won 37 to 14. And then they also had TCU in week four and they won that game 31 to 16. They do have some challenges left. They have to play Oklahoma this next week. um, And then they go to Oklahoma State in mid-October. And then in early November, they have West Virginia. Uh, But I'm buying them. They've got a tough schedule. Their loss wasn't great. But it was early, and if they can get through the rest of their schedule unscathed, followed by what I'm assuming will be a repeat of the Red River rivalry in the Big 12 championship, and all will be forgiven. Again, I don't think they're going to make it to the college football playoffs, but I think they're an on-the-bubble team, and I think that we're seeing... If I'm buying stock in a wildcard team, I'm buying Texas stock. So mine was less about buying stock and just how the the chips may fall, you know, in in this instance being the ACC. I'm going with the U, the Miami Hurricanes. They have a ridiculously easy schedule come, uh, remaining. The only team that they have left on their schedule at the moment that's ranked is Virginia Tech. Okay, Virginia Tech's in the Atlantic Coast Coastal side with them. If Clemson goes down or, say, Clemson Trevor Lawrence gets hurt, they beat Virginia Tech and they, they went out. They beat Clemson without Trevor Lawrence, which looks like a winnable game without Trevor Lawrence. Who knows? A one-loss team. They lost to LSU. LSU looks good. And they did it early, to my point. Yep. There you go. LSU, or Miami's my sleeper. Um, just the way the chips fall, I don't in any any way think that they're going to they're gonna make the playoffs. But 
if things fall, they're the team that could could have everything fall in place and, and make the playoffs. All right. Well, I like that pick. I think that either of those teams uh, you could potentially buy some stock in. It'd be interesting. Let's do this again as we get a little bit further in the season. I like this. Uh, but that's going to do it for this podcast. A little bit longer. Got to, got to have a, uh, did a little bit extra with the State of the Union, so we went a little longer today. But uh, enjoyed being with you and talking football as always. Looking forward to this slate of games. Um, a little bit of a down week, but uh, still some good stuff uh, nonetheless. So for my brother Pierce, I am Madison. Thanks for listening to the Sibling Rivalry Podcast. Stay blessed, y'all.